0: Breaking the Stigma. This episode I have the beautiful Stacey Webb on. She's been a police officer in New South Wales for over 15 years but not only is she a police officer, she is also an intuitive trauma release mentor. I'm going to leave the rest to her for her to explain her incredible journey and please enjoy this conversation with Stacey. Hello Stacey and welcome to Breaking the Stigma. Thank you so much for having me, Jasmine. I appreciate it. Yeah, I'm so excited.
1: Um, so if you could just start off with a little introduction. Sure. Well, my name is Stacey Webb. I am here in New South Wales in Australia, and I am now an intuitive trauma release mentor, which can sound a little bit a lot, formal <laughs> full mouth. Uh, but what that encompasses is I work with people's nervous systems. I use uh, things from my certifications in emotional freedom techniques. I'm an EFT practitioner, a breathwork practitioner, intuitive intelligence trainer and an embodied processing practitioner, which is in somatics to help people connect back to themselves, to help people connect back to their bodies, to create safety within their nervous system. So it allows them to, number one, identify when they are in flight, freeze, freezer form and whether they are stuck in it, because it's we're supposed to have those responses and we're supposed to filter through them, but we're not supposed to be stuck in them. And so allowing them to help build their uh, nervous system and become flexible. So when we filter in those ways, we're supposed to, but we're also supposed to come back to safety. And that's what I do. And I predominantly work with people who want to um, release the, the fear and trauma that's stuck within them. So I'm not saying that uh, we, we don't remove and say that the trauma never happened because it most certainly did. But what I try and do and my work with my service is helping people so their fear and trauma isn't playing the lead role in their life. So it's not playing that driver's seat. And so they actually can have this beautiful embodied living life with their traumas and their fears and knowing that we can release them and start working on our own healing journeys because we all have them Absolutely. and releasing those core wounds, you know, those wounds of not being good enough, being unworthy and being unlovable. And then all the traumas that come in throughout our life as well.
0: Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. I would <laughs> um I'd love to know your journey from like how you got to this space where you're in now.
1: Yeah. Well, uh so I was I'm a police officer. I um finished i always wanted to be a police officer always wanted to my family didn't want to you know that story of yeah. being worried about well, i was going to be hurt and everything else and uh here in new south wales when you graduate or what we call a test station when you attest from the new south wales police academy you have to be 19 years old for the firearm and i finished high school when i was 17 so i was going to be too young so i thought okay well you know i envisioned going into the police force and being a forensics police officer uh, so I thought I'd do a science degree and then I would join the police <laughs> I missed the cutoff uh, for our back then it was called a UAI a university mm-hmm. um, admissions index I missed by a few marks to do forensic science so I did another science degree hoping that would help me and I did that science degree and I bloody hated it <laughs> I hated it I hated it so much And it was after I had a car accident and thankfully um, didn't die uh, that it sort of woke me up to realise that I was hating my life and I was just doing this degree because I got so much validation from other people and Mm. people thought I was great for studying Mm. a science degree. And I I really wanted to be a police officer. And so I actually left my science degree with three months left to graduate and I joined the police academy <laughs> amazing I love that joined the police academy and you know I was 21 at the time you know your, your first rock out like I looked like a kid um in my uh police uh, attestation photos you know those mm-hmm. you know uh photos of you wearing your hat or holding your hat uh and being all smiley and I got sent out to South West Sydney and very busy. Lots of things happening there, and I went into the detectives very quickly. So, um, within eighteen months of being in uniform, I was in the detectives office, and wow. I've been. And then I was in the detective for ever since. So I, you know, have been in the police force for you know coming up sixteen years, and um, and that was sort of how that came to be to being in the police force. And as the years went by and, if people have been in the job, you, you understand you you see things, you you go to jobs that some, some of them to stick with you in your mind, in your body, mm. um, you know, you can't sleep over some of them or you, you sit there wondering if you could have done something else and, you know, all these, you know, I, how you may have broken some news to someone and then you, you sit there or I used to sit there and overthink about how I said it. Did I say it right? Mm. You know, did I traumatize that person from how I said it after something that was already traumatizing? And when I became a detective, I predominantly worked with uh, sexual assault cases and coronial investigations. So I was always surrounded by people who were in such a different states of trauma. Mm. And so what I wanted to do is I wanted to, to help them, help me help them. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, 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 you, know you, you have to take statements from people and, and, you, and you have to take them at very deep in length Um, and for some of those people it could be re-traumatizing and for others it could be quite empowering but nonetheless they're going to be different states of trauma as that happened and I wanted to have tools within my belt that I could help assist them so I could get all the information I needed for my investigations but also hopefully assist them at the same point where I'm not completely re-traumatizing them and so that led me down the path of learning about the nervous system our fight flight freeze or fawn responses and learning different tools that we were able to use to help regulate our nervous system and then when I talk about just regulating I'm talking about more about us resourcing our nervous system it's not always about coming back to safety and Us as police officers, you know, we're always not going to be at safety when we're turning up to a job. You are possibly going to have a fight response or a flight response or, you know, all those different responses. But you want to be able to be somewhat resourced to still have a, a safety sense in mind. So when you're responding, you are responding appropriately
0: and obviously can ultimately help save your life and others. I think that's and, so powerful because, like, it's not yeah. it's not something that's well practiced and it's not something that's well known either. But even no. just to help those, I guess, um, people in those trauma events, you know, we're expected to uh, understand and know what they're going through, and that's not training we receive. So no, and, and, that and you've done exactly.
1: That. And and us uh, as police officers, as first responders, you are constantly having to co-regulate someone else's nervous system all the time. You even just take a car accident, and you're turning up, and that person is either going to be crying, or you know, stressed out, or could be in a frozen state because they're trapped, and and you are there, ca- like helping calming them down. What you're actually doing is you, you're co-regulating their nervous system. You're helping them feel some set of some sense of safety, even though they are probably in a state of freeze or in a state of of fight or anything like that, and you're helping co regulate them. And we do so well for that as, resp- as first responders. We do so well for, that for everyone else, but we forget to do it ourselves. <laughs> and that's yeah. how it kind of helped for me. I was learning all these tools to help everyone else. And what I realized as I was doing them was, oh my goodness, this is helping me. Like your service becomes your medicine. This is helping me. And I realized that as I was doing it, and I was very open about my mental health and wanting to focus on me to help mm. me be, you know, the best police officer that I could be, um, but also going, you know what, like that job was, I don't know if I can swear, um, sure. yeah, <laughs> that job fine. was, that job was really shit. I yeah. just had to give a multitude of death messages. Mm. And instead of me going home and drinking abundance of alcohol and numbing the pain, I need to help my regular, my nervous system be able to regulate what just happened. Mm. So therefore I can help release Anything that could be stuck as a result of that, because everything is energy, help release that energy that's stuck from me. So therefore, number one, I'm not numbing my pain with alcohol. (laughs) And also number two, I'm knowing that I can go back to my shift and I can work again. And and knowing that that's not going to be this big factor that's going to be hidden on the side of me and, and sneak up you know Mm -hmm. at a different time and so that's what led to me doing the work I do now I was doing that for everyone else realizing it for myself helping my colleagues at the same time because again we forget to work on ourselves as police as police officers as first responders and it just sort of filtered out even more and you know following the intuition and following Mm -hmm. the guidance it just sort of came to helping other people with it and that's what I do now. (laughs)
0: <laughs> so what that's amazing um I think you know when I reflect on my own experiences and even you know friends that I've still got in the job I think a lot of people get stuck on either um actually identifying when they have been in a trauma event and they either drink alcohol or just kind of palm it off like uh, I guess the strength is also a detriment because it's a big yes. our biggest weakness in a way because mm-hmm. we won't reach out for help so is there any like tips or any like signs that you would want someone to look out for or you think they should look out for when they're going through something i guess uh,
1: first one has always been able to to start to connect back to your body and then everyone's everyone is different you know we're all unique and you know you could again have two people turn up to the same event and for one person that could affect it it could affect you in different ways or possibly not even at all you know we we know when we turn up to jobs some of those jobs it, it it doesn't even register as anything within ourselves and we can continue on and it's not a, an activating or a trigger factor but for others it is and so it's all about helping connect back to our bodies how do we feel you know it's not so much about the story but how we feel in our bodies about it because mm. when we think of it as a story that's when some people tend to think of oh, well, that's not big enough for me to worry about. I shouldn't be, you know, they start to be resentful. They start to hide and feel shameful thinking that they're going to be judged because they may have turned up to a job. And, um, you know, for someone, it could have been an elderly person had passed away and, and, and everything else. And someone go, oh, well, you know, that, that, that's not traumatising for you. you. You should be fine with that. And yeah. for someone else it is. And that could be because of other extenuating circumstances that's happened recently for that person. We don't know. And mm-hmm. so it's not so much then about the story of the job that we attended, but how we feel in our bodies. And so mm-hmm. it's more just first off, finding some time, <laughs> just mm-hmm. even a couple of minutes to even start. And, and as you start connecting to yourself, it may not take so long. And that's sometimes where you may need assistance to help you get off that, um, to start. But it's more just taking time, closing your eyes if you feel comfortable to, and just first off, Breathing you can tell by sometimes your breath as to how you're feeling in your body and where that feels in your body. You know, if we're short um, breaths and we're feeling like we're forcing our breath and, and everything else, you know, well, how do, we, how do you feel in your body about that? Whereabouts mm. in your body does something maybe not feel right?
0: Mm. And,
1: and, and we re- can receive the information. You might feel it. You might see it in your body. You might hear something, you know, you might just know and, and we just listen through that and just see how that feels.
0: Mm. And, then, and then we can go advice. layer in it. Yeah. I'm sorry. sorry. And, the,
1: and then we can just, we, then you can start going through the layers of that. But it's just mm. first off, just connecting to yourself, just breathing. You might even place a hand on, on your heart space, on your chest, just to help you connect back to yourself. And you might even then start feeling your breath slowing down or deepening. And that you might even start co-regulate like self-regulating yourself by that alone, Mm. just to that to even identify more to go, okay, I'm feeling frustrated. All right. Where are you feeling frustrated? Mm. Why are you feeling frustrated? Because sometimes we feel frustrated because of something that has actually happened, or it actually could be a bit down. You know, we we do it. We come home from work and then we get really angry um, at our partner and our kids. But sometimes we're not really angry at them. We're really angry about something that happened at work that day.
0: You know, (laughs) it could be the job you
1: attended or the supervisor that, you know, gives you an abundance of work Mm -hmm. and didn't realize that, you know, or may not realize that you've got all this brief work and you've got all this other stuff to do when they want you to go and do RBT. Like, you know, what are we frustrated about? And then as we can start to, to go through those layers of it.
0: Yeah, I think um, a big piece of advice that I got given, and it was pretty early on, and I didn't actually take it seriously until very recently, was just to actually take a pause, even if you don't have minutes. And, you know, for a lot of first responders, you don't have that time. Um, Mm -hmm. But even to just take, you know, five to 10 seconds and pause and stop and see how you're feeling, like just to have that moment within yourself. Yeah,
1: sitting in that car, get back in the car after the job and you, and especially feel the driver because you can obviously control where you're going and just sitting there and taking a pause, you know, for you to take that 10 seconds to take that pause and a deep breath before going to the next job, before taking on the next domestic and everything else, obviously and we know pending it's not a double beeper, it's not an mm-hmm. urgent job that you end up going to, is to be able to do that even once all of that's happened. When you're going back to the station, it might be when you go to the bathroom and then just take that pause as you, you know, in the locker room <clears throat> just to, to start, you know, at least start to connect back to your body, you yeah. know, because, again, once you get back to the station, you've got all the paperwork to do. And, you know, it, it, we can always give ourselves excuses as to why we can't give ourselves a pause. Mm. But at the end of the day, our, our mental health, we, we need to start with us we need to start with ourselves so then it actually can ripple out and and Mm. see the effects of how it is with our colleagues. You know, Mm. we need to, um, even the way that we speak about it, we need, it starts with ourselves, Mm, you know. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, just even ourselves about go, oh, look, you know what, that job, yeah, no, something's not right about that. I'm Mm. feeling a little bit, you know, at least saying something like that, make it aware, you know, for people who end up, being off work for anything that's ptsd related or mental health related it starts with us about how we talk about that to our colleagues where they're off you know yeah. um you know some people like oh they're off with head noises and things like that that conversation that language needs to change how yeah. we are whilst we're working and to say it's mental health related yeah. like mental health shouldn't be a bad word but yeah. we can actually say it in a respectful way than in something
0: else mm. you know it's a culture. it needs to be a culture shift to be honest yes. um, it, it does
1: and it all starts with us it, it, it starts with that one person starting and the next person and correcting people when when you say it you know mm. when someone says something a race racist remark we we stop and we correct and say that's not appropriate and we need to do the same thing when it comes in regards to this and mental health as well and that's what will start to change the culture it mm. needs to start with us
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I 100% agree. And I think as well, um, there's a big stigma around people actually reaching out for help, um, which I found was quite a hard one to overcome myself because you don't want to show that weakness, like I said before. Um, But I have a good friend of mine who actually went through PTSD and has come out the other side and everyone is just in awe of how he's doing. And it's like, why can't we be in awe of him, you know, reaching out for the help when he needed it? Um, and have that process with everyone and not just him. Um, yeah. But it does, it starts with that culture, that culture change.
1: It, it really does. I remember um, being in my pro period, out probationary period, so your first year, and um, I turned up to a job uh, trying to give CPR to a person that um, it, it didn't work and that person had passed away. And I was greatly affected by that. I couldn't I went home I had no children at that time Um, and my boyfriend at that time my now husband I couldn't talk to him about that job for three weeks and Mm. when I finally did I just broke down in crying because when I gave that person CPR um, I broke that person's ribs and I felt really bad for Mm. doing that as well and I felt bad to even reach out when it came to work about that my partner for that specific job um, did take some time off work and I saw that how, how she was treated and I didn't want to be treated like that. And I was also in my probationary period, I also didn't want to affect me getting confirmed as a constable. I didn't want to be off and then possibly be delayed, um, mm. getting confirmed being constable because here in New South Wales you study a degree. So in your probationary um, period you are still studying and mm. if you are not... Um, studying during the specific like uni days you you get delayed as well I was also worried and fearful that they take my gun away like all these thoughts were going through my mind so I just didn't yep. say anything and i let it in myself until mm-hmm. I couldn't take it anymore um and I I look back on myself and I wished I said something earlier I yeah. wished that I spoke up for myself back then um, and I after that I I did seek the help but I wished I'd done it sooner and mm. so you know when it came to me when I was working and, and probationary fields to come out I was very much into you know always checking as much as I could on them mm. uh, here in New South Wales we have peace support officers as police officers and I became one of those and I was very active I was always that person that sent out emails and <laughs> and checked on people whenever we had um, uh, jobs that happened or if I noticed someone attending you know a number of deceased in a row or anything that I thought would be um, extremely uh, triggering or activating in a way, but they also knew that they also could come to me and people mm-hmm. did because um, and, and not just, you know, in, in my own station, it was always in other stations as well, because I was always very actively talking about it um, because it, need, it, it doesn't matter how long you've been in the job for any job can affect us. And mm-hmm. I, we just spoke about this before we went to air, um, but it, it doesn't matter about your length of service. You know, mm-hmm. you have the probationaries that don't want to say anything, and then you also have your seasoned veterans that don't want to say anything because they take on the persona that they must know anything, and that they're, you know, the the, the, the senior officers, and they must be strong, and they must be the leaders and the teachers to to our younger ones, and show that nothing um, gets to us. But out of all of that, we forget to realize and understand and be aware of that we are human beings yeah At the end <laughs> and the- that it's okay we are yeah. meant to be be feeling things mm. we are human for that you know mm. and for the times that we feel disgust for things that the jobs that we come across sometimes is also understanding at the times that we're deeply affected mm. by even possibly someone that we had just met and that that person can deeply affect us and to know that that's okay you know, and we seem to think that, it, and we label that as it must be bad, and it must be shied away and hidden. You know, with this shame or feeling that we're going to be judged. Um, and so that's where hopefully you can, you know, ensure you have a support system. You know, uh, mm-hmm. to to have people that you can debrief with in a healthy way, um, mm-hmm. and and to do all of that to to also then it, it all comes down back down to our nervous system and how we can and how we can
0: identify that, yeah. Mm -hmm. I think like on that with especially how much time you've had in the job, uh, like we were saying before, um, would you have, you know, any advice to someone that's thinking about joining or has only recently joined um, with their, I guess, like maybe mindfulness or any mindset tips that would kind of help going into the job? Yeah. Um, I'm very big on number one, breath work. Our
1: breath is so underrated. Um, mm. we need we need to utilize our breath airport. and as police officers we do it with with the members of the public all the time we need to utilize that for ourselves, and we can do that when we're driving the car <laughs> we mm. can we can do that when we're anywhere and, and people won't even realize that you're doing it um, mm. if you if you want to do it in a way that's subtle that they don't um, that you don't want other people to know uh, another thing that I'm very very big of is um, EFT tapping Uh, otherwise known as emotional freedom techniques um, or known as tapping and what we're doing is we're just using our fingertips and we tap on our meridian points which is predominantly our face upper body and our hands so we can tap on the side of our fingertips if we look at our fingertips if you were to look at your fingertips now if you have your hand out and the hand um, the fingertip the side of your fingertip that's closest to your body you could just lightly tap on that now you can tap on that when you're underneath the table, like when your hands are underneath the table. Like in terms of giving evidence, you can you can tap when you're you're thinking in front of the computer. You know, there's tapping points and our temple points under our nose and our chin where there's a lot of times that we actually have our hand there thinking. When you're in front of the computer as it is, let alone you can just lightly tap on it and people won't even realize. But what that's actually doing is is helping. Um, regulate your nervous system it helps send the signals up to our amygdala to let it know um, that it's not in danger anymore you know our amygdala does this scan without interception and it scans for for danger and for us as police officers it's it's we're hyper vigilant we do all the time Mm. and what that happens is when it's on the go all the time thinking it's in danger, you know, amygdala sends an alarm bell to our, you know, frontal cortex and everything else to alert for danger. But when we're stuck in that, it's like an alarm's ringing constantly, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know, and, and this tapping just helps that amygdala know, Hey, we're not in danger right now. We are actually safe here -hmm. in a police car or here at home or, or anything like that. And, and, and to know that we can do that ourselves, you don't need anyone else to do that if you just wanted to tap on yourself to to help you and you can do that wherever whenever and so i think it's really important if you are thinking about starting just starting you're in it don't care how long you've been in it important to focus on your breath mm. um, to think about et tapping i know for some people it's a bit it can sometimes for some people think it's a really bit out there because we are kind of stuck in our ways. Mm-hmm. But we need to start being open and curious with how we can help ourselves. And that connects into mindfulness and everything else. And, mm-hmm. and we need to start doing that because that again is working on our nervous system. And you know, for the times that we disregard it, it's not helping us. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> so we need to think of a different way. And you know, for some. Police officers, they may have um, had a really great uh, policing career and they may have had some great people that may have helped them. Um, but you also have times when it's not, mm. you know, you, you, for some people, they, you know, they don't want to reach out to EOP. They don't want to have talk therapy um, and to know that there are actually different ways instead of talk therapy when it comes to helping you in your trauma. And mm-hmm. it's really great if you are happy to do talk therapy. Um, but I also know in terms of uh, clients and, and myself and everything else. And, and for those people that I speak on behalf of, I already do have the consent to say this is that for those people, they didn't want to talk to do talk therapy they didn't, you know, they're worried about what's been written down and all these different things. And, you know, there are other ways that we can work on our trauma where you don't even have to say the traumatic event mm. to help work on it. So, you know, there are just allow yourself to have an open mind that there are different ways. And to know that just because one way doesn't work, doesn't mean that you shut the door to everything and feel that you have to do it all yourself. You know, us as police officers, we feel that we must do everything ourselves and we can't ask for any help. And to know that that doesn't have to be the case, find your support network and bring all those elements in. And sometimes it is a trial and error as to what you, what may work and what may not, but know that there will be something there for you. And you need to find it if you want to be in the job and have a really good, successful career in it.
0: Yeah, I think that's a tip for longevity, really, is, you know, building up that not um, maybe resilience in a way, but, you know, having those techniques where you don't just store all your trauma in one area and then all of a sudden it's too much and it all comes flooding out at once, which is then, you know, uh, not being able to sleep or um, PTSD for some sad case, you know. It comes out in so many different ways. Um, Yeah. We really need to empty the cup. and, and, And you
1: know when you don't empty it and you can feel it building, you can feel it building, building until you just erupt and it it just goes everywhere like an explosion Mm. Um, and you know and and think of those times those times when it's been building you know you have that intuition it's telling you probably to we need to do something about this but then we push it aside and go no no we're fine we're fine start to listen to that listen to that voice we're all intuitive we all have our intuition especially as first responders we have great intuition when it comes to our work and so when it's coming to yourself and talking about
0: you having to work on yourself listen to yourself about it it's telling Mm. you for a reason Mm. yeah I think um you make a really good point where it's like it just needs to be you know one person to start the flow on effect if you could just get that one person maybe in each station that's like hey guys this is uh this is what it is and this is how we're going to do it it would really make a big difference to especially people coming through as newbies, but you'd hope even some of, you know, the old senior Connies that are that are out there as well, just to change a few things. And I love, um, you know, the tapping on your fingers because that can be done discreetly. Like if someone is feeling maybe shameful, which they shouldn't, but we know what happens yeah. where they're, they're shameful of, um, you know, being affected by a certain incident. It's something that you can absolutely hide. And like I said, not you that can. you have to, yeah. but it is, yeah, yeah it can be described. Well, sometimes,
1: yeah, sometimes when you're out in public, you, you know, uh, the different tapping points, you've got like your eyebrow points, your side of eye that's on your temple, there's one under your nose, there's one on your chin, mm. um, you know, you tap on the top of your head. Some people may not want to go through all those tapping points out in public um, and to know that you, you can actually do that subtly and to mm. know that that's okay too.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Mm. Um, I would love while we're still talking about police um, just to touch on either like one of your funniest stories um, or maybe weirdest memories. Um, and I've got a few from when I was in the police force and a lot of them have to do with like people smearing poo everywhere or, you know, like just weird things that general, um, I guess, what we could not normal people or members of the public wouldn't actually think that we see, but people actually do some really strange things.
1: Yeah. Um I I remember I, I worked in a, a semi-rural area and um, there's two that are semi-rural but there's this one that's coming up. And, and in my mind, it's really, really funny. So I, it, I'll probably say it and everyone will be like, no. Um, <laughs> but uh, we, there was a, um, a double B part in regards to a person on premises, you know, mm-hmm. someone saying that there's someone in the house and not supposed to be there. And so we were lights and sirens. It's been such a busy night. It, um, I'm quite sure it was a full moon because we were talking about how, you know, every, we always seem to be crazy. busy on a full moon. It's crazy. And to go to this particular area because it was in our rural area, it took quite a bit, you know, it takes it a little bit longer than just being out in the suburbs. And so we're, we're racing along and, um, we're, you know we're going in and you know you've got the neighbors like going he's in there he's in there you know and the house is dark and you know this is where you think don't think like for me it used to be Stacey now don't think of scary movies you know going into a house <laughs> yeah. um and so, which is why I'd never watched, i uh, never watched scary movies when I was serving. And here we are, we're going in and we you know we're, me and my partner are all doing really well. Like, you know, doing our hook turns around the corners mm. and you know, here it is. And there is this huge ass kangaroo in the kitchen. Oh. <laughs> it absolutely, it was the most freakiest, I just wasn't expecting it. And then all I thought was, oh my God, this kangaroo is going to kick me and it's going to have such strength. And to try and lure this kangaroo out of the house, in pitch black dark, and making sure it's it, it wasn't going to. It was huge. I I I want to say it was just under six foot because it was taller than me, but. Yeah. I didn't think it was complete, it, it was huge, and I was just oh my goodness. And can you imagine, like, a radio you know, the radio is asking for a status update, and you're like, Yeah, radio, um, no further cars, it's just this it's huge kangaroo. kangaroo, but we may need animal control also because we don't know how they're going to get this kangaroo out of this house. So it took us forever, um, I, merely because every time it sort of wanted to come near us, you know, people fearful, didn't want it to come too close, especially you knowing in terms of their claws, now to try and get it out. and And being a rural area, it sort of backed onto Bush. It was more like, let's just get out of the house. Let's secure the house. (laughs) And and then, you know, the next door neighbour had um, already updated the owner at that point. But it was just more of, here you are again. you, You go into this job, lights and sirens, persons on premises. It's, you know, they're saying it's confirmed. They can see a shadow in the house and they can hear, you know, plates and all of that crashing down. So again, you are activated in this fight response. Yep. Okay. You're sitting with you think, okay, this is what we're going to do. You know, at that point in time we didn't have any backup. We don't know what most people like. You're lucky if you had one car, you know, so, you know, if we needed backup, it was going to be, you know, from another in command. Hmm. And so, you know, you are briefing with your partner, okay, this is what we're going to do. Okay, let's check if the bloody torches work. Because I don't know about you, but sometimes the torches never worked. And it was in the time of day where I mean it, it wasn't the time of day where you didn't have the vest is what you do mm-hmm. now that yeah. has all that stuff so you just saw like hoping to god you had the torch that worked um because they died so quickly and you get getting there and you're all okay yep I'm ready even though probably in the back of mind all these things going through and then to just be up front with this kangaroo <laughs> just it just wasn't what I was expecting it just absolutely fooled me I, I my partner I I think was so shocked it just kind of was frozen, and was like, "What do we do now?" Um, and yeah, it was like up close with this kangaroo. It was just yeah, it, just not what you expected. It's just not what you think, and also you didn't want to, you know, activate and trigger
0: this this kangaroo either. So it was a beautiful. Um, funny experience oh that is great <laughs> what would you have preferred would you do you think you would have preferred going in and actually finding someone or <laughs> being like oh my gosh oh uh, well I'm I'm, I'm glad it,
1: it, it was an animal instead in terms of um you know I, everything else I think it was just it, that was meant to be for that scenario yeah. there I think if it was anything else it would never have had the, the perfect how, how did the rui even get in Oh, so it actually got in through the the laundry door. So it wasn't it wasn't really a sturdy door. So mm-hmm. it kind of just sort of got in. And it had you know um, a bit of food from their pets, you know, just inside. Mm. I think it must have just smelt and noticed it and everything else, and just thought, hey, let's just take a look in here. Clever, very very good.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, then on that as well, I would love for you to talk a little bit about your book that you've got. Yes, yeah, so
1: I published a book um, earlier this year called *The Intuitive Detective*, uh, and it's really so much about a memory of my life. So it it does focus a bit on my policing career, but also on my personal life in in childhood, growing up, and it sort of it really speaks about the times when we listen to our intuition and the times when we don't, and how that's kind of shaped my life. Um, and also, what it does is the times when it ha- when i have listened to my intuition listened to it and followed it and how that's actually helped on my own healing journey helped with my own mental health helped release you know that fear and trauma meeting and releasing that within myself and sort of uncovering the layers within our own heal- our own my own healing journey you know those layers of you know fear of rejection fear of abandonment and you know, fear of mm-hmm. um, Unworthiness. you know, I'm a, you know, recovering perfectionist, you know, and and a good girl too in terms of, you know, I would work my ass off. I would be at work and I would work, work, work and, oh, you know, we've got this job come in and I'd put my hand up all the time. Who can do on call tonight? I would put my hand up every time because I felt like I had something to, I felt like I needed to prove myself, Mm -hmm. especially when I went into the detectives very quickly. But I went in because of my work. I went Mm -hmm. in because all the times when I went to a job and the detectives took over they saw the work that I did so I I worked my ass off for those roles but then I also felt like I had to prove it because I was very young mm-hmm. and female in, in in the role of a detective and feeling like I needed to prove that um, when really I didn't because my mm. work spoke for itself but um, doing that was sort of you know how, how I sort of recognize that and help break away from that and you know establishing boundaries in myself and you know all of that type of stuff so the, the book really helps centers around that um and and mental health and and how listen to my intuition and allows you to sort of have an awareness as to the times when you may have listened and not listened to your intuition. Um, You know, maybe at the times, you know, to, to, again, sort of the times when you may have been activated in a fight, flight, freeze or fawn response, you know, have, you know, the the people pleaser, the perfectionist and, you know, all of these different things and allowing you to, you know, essentially be the detective in your own healing journey. So we can, you know, start working on ourselves. So Mm. that's pretty much what the book is about. Yeah, with a few awesome. hints of stories along the way.
0: <laughs> a few worries in there. Um, I love that. I think also if mm. there's any, because a lot of people, um, I think like we said before, breath work would be very new to them, and yeah. any of this would be really new. They'd probably have no idea where to start. So, what would be your, I guess, maybe like your base of starting with just breath work? I guess. Uh by themselves. Or yeah, yeah,
1: yeah.
0: Um, <clears throat>
1: first off, I would just. Uh, spend a few, a few minutes just observing your own breath. So not thinking that there's anything right or wrong or, you know, thinking that you must change anything, but just first observing how you're breathing. Um, you know, there are different then breath works that you can break in. We, we know about um, most of our first responders, will know about the box breath. And a lot of times we kind of go, mm, but it's actually really essential for us mm. to start doing that. Even just the, the times of us, you know, breathing in a big, deep breath, and just letting out a sigh you know Mm. what I mean and there's different um somatic tools that we can use uh, by helping us start to center back into our bodies you know Mm. even just the light tilting our head to the side we could put our eyes and and keeping your head tilted you could look your eyes straight up without moving your head and then start yawning even if you're not feeling like you're not yawning as if you are Mm. and just allowing that tension around the neck, the tension around the jaw to start releasing and then repeat it on the other side. Mm. You know, just different things like that, our shrugging of the shoulders, just shrugging it really up high to our ears and holding it and then letting go, you know, Mm. shaking and just shaking our hands and shaking our feet and knowing as we're doing that to start just breathing. Mm. You know, at times when we've gone to a job, and it, and it was very intense and, and uh, you know, she got real, so to speak, in that job. And you might realize that during that time we may have held our breath for a bit. So even just coming back and just breathing, allowing that oxygen to come back in and yeah. just doing that, you know, breathing in and out and allowing any sighs to come out, allowing any of those sounds within the mouth to come out, you know, and, mm. and knowing that that's okay. That's actually helping our vagus nerve, which helps our nervous system to do all that stuff and if we can just sort of center on coming back to your breath that will always be the starting point and then you can start on box breath or you know breathing in for a certain amount holding and then releasing Um, but we first just need to practice just breathing and then if we can, yeah, do in a few minutes. And that's the thing that we, you know, us as first responders, we kind of don't want to sit there for a few minutes and breathe. Mm. We feel like we must do something else. Um, but again, knowing that there's actually, we need to spend some time on ourselves and this mm-hmm. is one way to do it. And it's so effective where mm. you don't have to do anything. You don't have to
0: pay to do yeah. that if
1: you if you just are able to do that by yourself.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think in the grand scheme of things as well, um, you know, uh, there's lots of pressing jobs. And like you said, as <clears throat> you call it a double beep. We call it like a grade one job, whatever it might, may be. Um, yeah. You know, those are your exceptions, but any other job can probably wait. You know, those people fighting in, you know, housing units or whatever yeah. it may be, they're always going to be fighting and they're going to be fighting when you turn up, whether there's a call for you to go there or not. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, just taking that few minutes um, yeah. really help yourself.
1: That's right. Knowing like, you know, when the sirens are on, going to those double beeper jobs, going to priority two jobs, is what we'd call them here. Or grade mm. one is what you had mentioned. To knowing that you can even start breathing as you're doing that. Mm. The different siren sounds, you can do your breath in and out. You know, for some people, it could be, you know, in terms of laughing. So after you've done your debrief, you know, I remember being back in uniform and, you know, there would be a certain song we'd actually put it up on loud and you'd be, you know, laughing. You know, laughing's really good for, mm. for our vagus nerve and 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 laughing and and smiling, knowing that that's actually bringing in your breath. It's bringing in oxygen into your body as you're going to that mm. double B part, going to that priority job. And to know, and like, even just something subtly is doing that, whether it's, being able to play the music or not because it needs a a lot more in depth of of briefing to Mm. knowing that you can actually do it with the siren Mm. Uh, and I would predominantly used to always do that because um, it was a really good way of me coming back to myself as I'm mentally preparing myself we all obviously we're thinking logically in my mind as we go into this job but if I know that I'm doing my breath then my body's actually doing it as well. And we have that head-body, head-heart connection (laughs) Mm. and and allowing that we can do that even though we're going to that priority job. And so, and then afterwards, if you have time, obviously do it again, or if you then get back to the station, but knowing that you can actually, there's subtle ways that we can do it in between. And if we can just practice it, sometimes it might be a little bit of practice, especially if we've never Mm. done it before, but to know it is possible. And then you just do it without even realizing it
0: yeah yeah i love that it just becomes a habit after time you don't even realize yep. you're doing it anymore yeah yeah absolutely and um, if they say you do it they'll start doing it and then
1: when they're in the next car with someone else they'll start doing it with someone else and that's how the ripple effect starts it's how hmm. we can create those beautiful effects out
0: yeah have you seen that in your workspace rippling out
1: uh yeah yeah definitely um being, when I was in, uh, you know, it was would be very big about, um, you know, speaking about something that may have affected us or anything like that. Um, but even sometimes we're like, oh, gee, that was really, that was a bit of a shocker. Mm. I just need to take my breath for a second like it, they' even just saying that it was mm. just amazing or even just coming down are you all right there do you just want to take a couple of minutes just to have a bit of a breather you know mm. um, and and get yourself back in before you, you come back inside you know things like that to just sort of just little subtle things and it, sometimes you know for some people uh, they might go oh well I'm not going to do that because I never had that chance and that's where we need to change the cycle yeah. and that to go, you didn't have that chance, but now we have a chance to help others. And mm-hmm. by you doing it now is going to help them. And that's going to help them underneath and them underneath them and when the ranks come up. And uh that's again, it starts with us needing to change that culture and that thinking.
0: Yeah, I love that. Um that's amazing. So I um I don't have anything further. If you've got anything <laughs> else you want to add, I would love um, I'd love listening to you to be honest. So anything further. <laughs> amazing
1: <laughs> yeah well um if anyone ever want to work with me um they can come to my website it's mm-hmm. www.stacyweb.com.au. i am on facebook um underscore stacey Web, or you can find me on sorry on instagram underscore mm-hmm. stacey Web, or you can find me on facebook as stacey Web um with my business page there and um feel free to you know, I do uh, group sessions as well as one-on-one. So, you know, it depends on what people feel comfortable with or, you know, dip in their toes in, so to speak, mm-hmm. um, where you'll be able to get all different things there. And if you're ever interested in my book, you can get it from my website or you can get it on Amazon, um, Angus Robinson Booktopia, all the places where you can get books or you can get, uh, if you love to support local, uh, get your local bookstore to order it in.
0: Amazing. I love that. <laughs> well thank you so much for joining me um, on this late night <laughs> that's all right thank you so much for having me <laughs> oh. wow what an amazing insight into techniques for trauma response just before i end this episode i wanted to quickly tell everyone that along with this podcast break the stigma of mental health and first responders i also have a dedicated instagram page jasmine.f.peach and a website which is linked i hope you enjoyed this episode and i look forward to the next one